Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Victoria Day. Today is Monday. A lot of people weren't too sure that it was Monday, um, but it is Monday. And we're here for our weekly edition of Now Common Convos. If you haven't tuned in before, Now Common Convos is our uh, weekly series where we interview different people from our network, from our community, some of our collaborators, uh, and we share a ton of different tips. We also answer questions. So um, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions today. Today, our guest is Heather Briggs. Uh, she is going to be on shortly and she's going to be introducing herself um, to explain what she does. We've had an opportunity to work with Heather uh, over the years at Now Creative Group and she is super talented. Um, so I'm looking forward to having her on today. <clears throat> Just a quick heads up uh, for those of you who uh, are interested in any of the past editions of Now Common Convos. We do have them available on podcast format, so they will be available. Um, this one will be available for 24 hours on our story, but uh, all of our episodes are available on uh, on Instagram. Uh, sorry, all of our um, episodes are available in podcast format. Uh, if you just search Now Common Convos on Spotify, you can find them there. So we are going to get started with Heather right now. Good morning or good afternoon. It does feel like morning for me at least. Hi, Dan. How's it going, Heather? Good. How are you? Happy Victoria Day. Yes, happy Victoria Day as well. Super excited to have you join us. I'm glad we still made this work for the long weekend. Um, tons of people are home, and I at least know people from my team are still working as well, so we're not the only ones, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Awesome. What are days so, of the week uh, anymore, anyway? Exactly. It's it's so <laughs> hard to tell what day it is, anyway. So um, I wanted to start off by letting uh, you share your full kind of journey in how you became uh, an entrepreneur, but also, yeah, just your creative uh, experience working in marketing. So I will let you start there. Perfect. Um, well, I've been in the world of marketing, it's kind of crazy to say, for almost 20 years, which ages me, but that's okay. I own my experience <laughs> and the journey. Um, so I started out, I studied fashion marketing back in university. Um, and I think kind of immediately even at Ryerson doing a, not even a super traditional marketing program, but a marketing program that there was parts of it that I was super into and other parts that seemed kind of dry and uh, maybe a little old school for me even back then. <laughs> so um, I was happy when I graduated school, Lululemon was like a brand new company and they were really like innovative at that time and small. They had one location in Vancouver and they'd just come to Toronto as I was finishing up university. So my first job was working at the second Lululemon store on Queen Street West, for those of you nice. that remember the days back when Trinity Bellwoods was not cool. It was a scary <laughs> park. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I was lucky to grow with that company. I got in when they were just starting to grow. And so they really had a corporate culture that was about goal setting and letting them know where you saw yourself heading. And so even though I'd taken sort of a, a marketing program, 
I felt really drawn to graphic design at that time in my career and I'd sort of always been creative and that was the piece I think of marketing that initially really like interested me. So um, I worked, I started on the retail floor and then quickly moved into head office and was moved out to Vancouver to be their first in-house graphic designer. So that was nice. about 15 years ago. Yeah. And, um, and in there, I learned a lot of skills about production and sort of, I was pretty much a self-trained graphic designer, even though I'd had a little bit of training, I was really leveraging just my creative skills and my sort of thinking, I think, abilities. And, um, and yeah, I was there for a few years, learned a lot. And then I just wanted to go full time into graphic design and really learn more about it. Um, so I had my first agency job and uh, it was a small little design studio. So that was really fun. I learned a lot there as well. And then, yeah, really quickly I started freelancing. And I think like a lot of creatives, uh, you know, there was, I guess that was 2007, 2008. So that was like our recession that sort of everyone talks about remember then. So I think I was, right. that's sort of what got me into freelancing. Like no agencies were really expanding at that time. So I just sort of decided I would um, learn how to be an entrepreneur. And that was always in my goals at Lululemon. I always, you know, saw myself eventually heading out on my own. So it was something I knew I wanted to do, but maybe wasn't going to do it so quickly. Uh, so I think a lot of people watching this can probably relate to a little push from the economy in a direction that was maybe new, but also kind of where I was already heading. For um, sure. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. So yeah, so it helped you kind of take the leap into entrepreneurship. And yeah. how did you, how did you, do you remember how you got your very first client or your very first project? Yeah, it was, I mean, I was really lucky. Lululemon uh, kept me, had, did a few freelance projects with me. Uh, I started um, a program in Vancouver that was like a government start your own business sort of program. Mm -hmm. So I got in there and I started getting the actual business training and writing a business plan. So I think up until then, it was just sort of like people I knew. Um, and then once I started that program, I started meeting a lot of other entrepreneurs in Vancouver at the time. So uh, networking with other entrepreneurs and starting to get clients that I didn't know was sort of, I think through that business program. Nice. Yeah. It's yeah. always, it's always interesting to see how people end up getting their first clients and so much of it is either from network or from school or a program that you're part of. Right. It's, yeah, it's hard to sure. just kind of when you're, when you're launching into thin air, no one really knows about you at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I wanted to dive in and talk about the main topic for today, which is branding. Um, and I wanted to get your definition of branding um, because I think you, well, I know that you bring a, a unique lens to it. So <laughs> yeah. help explain to us um, okay. what you, how you define so, branding. Yeah, I mean, I, so even going back to the journey, I think as soon as I started working with small business owners, I realized there was a lot of confusion and like people were being told like you need a logo and a name before you can do anything and you know people were just kind of uh rushing through some of that process and so i'd be getting mm -hmm. clients coming to me for a logo and they had never thought about their business really like they didn't have a business plan they didn't have a lot of sense of what they wanted and so i think that was the first moment i saw a real gap between graphic designers and entrepreneurs and that there was like definitely this strategy phase in the middle that people were just leaping over 
and it was causing right. it was causing a lot of problems when it came to marketing and building the brand right because they didn't actually know who they were so i became really interested in the world of branding and i had a mentor kind of sit me down and be like you know what you're okay at graphic design but you're really good at the strategic thinking piece and that got me into like oh, i because i sort of i never went like super traditional agencies so you know the roles of art director and strategist like they weren't really even like they didn't mean much to me you know i just sort of knew like many people like i need a graphic designer or these sort right. of basic roles that freelance or that small businesses hire so that's when i really leaned into like what is branding um and so i think the best way to explain it is to put it beside marketing and say what they are and what they aren't right so branding and marketing go together they're like two pieces of the, the same puzzle if you ask me um some people excel at the marketing side because it's more technical it's more head-based it's more strategic it's thinking and then you've got the people who really excel at the branding piece piece which is the emotional the heart the like what am I standing for? What am I saying? What is my purpose? Right? So I think that as entrepreneurs, we might default to one feeling safer than the other. Mm. Um, and I certainly, you know, I sit somewhere in the middle, but you know, I do sort of really prefer or enjoy the process of taking people deep into their brand soul. Because I think if you are willing to go on that journey, you will answer a lot of your marketing questions by going through the process. And marketing is just easier when you have a strong brand foundation and you know who you are and what you're trying to say to people. Hundred so, percent. Yeah, yeah that, that's how I kind of I say that they're two sides of the same coin, you need them both. People sometimes try to play one against the other, which I'm not super into, I just think you need to figure out both. So you're going to yes. be better maybe at one, but you're, you're going to need help with both. For sure. And I, I love that you make that distinction too, because a lot of people do look straight to dive into marketing because they, they hear, they know that's what they need to actually um, get customers or get clientele um, early on. But you're right. The, having a strong brand is, is obviously super critical to have that foundation too. Um, yeah. And of course your brand is something that can, can evolve as you go. But as you mentioned, it is kind of that core foundation. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the, you know, you love working with, I guess you found a niche working with kind of heart-based individuals, entrepreneurs and organizations. Can you share how you define that target audience for you or, or what that means to be a heart-based entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when the term came out, you know, it felt a little bit more like it was a push against the status quo, which maybe now, you know, five, 10 years later, we're more used to the term heart centered. But back in the day when I sort of first was like, yeah, I don't see myself going super corporate or traditional. The idea of the triple bottom line, purple purpose, people, planet just mm -hmm. always resonated mm -hmm. with the type of clients I wanted to work with. Um, and and yeah, I think that that, you know, is becoming more and more mainstream, but it certainly wasn't at the beginning of my career. So yeah, that's how I define it. And then I have a real sweet spot for the solo entrepreneurs, the one women, the one man shows that are doing it all and really have a message and something they want to share through their work. And you know, they're not, they might not be able to afford all these crazy marketing plans and strategists and even a graphic designer sometimes, but they need what I think, you know, 
we need as these sort of independent solo freelancers is just that deep clarity about who we are so we can walk the path with our business and be evolving and growing with it. 100%. I love that. Yeah, and I love that you've kind of created space for those people to be able to um, properly brand themselves and identify that because, of course, they're on the path. Uh, when they have that strong foundation, they're on the path to, to growing as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, at Now Creative, obviously, early on, we started working with a ton of freelancers and solopreneurs. And obviously, like you mentioned, the, the, the model of a, an agency doesn't always work for someone who's just starting out. But the component of that brand strategy is, is always going to be super helpful to get them set. And we've had people then come back to us when they're ready to launch a full campaign or a full website after yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, awesome. So um, we talk a lot about how personal branding and business, um, those continue to evolve, right? Your brand doesn't stay stagnant forever. People will evolve their brand, but they'll also rebrand, right? And so I would love to know um, about when we're talking about that, can you tell us about either a failure or a challenge or even a pivot that you've had in your journey um, when it comes to branding? Uh, both as a personal, you know, personal brand and as a business? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an existential question for some of us who are like, you know, a, a one person show or we sort of, you know, don't have that traditional grandiose vision for even how we want to grow. Like I never see myself going ultra corporate. So even whatever I want to create is going to be sort of like a boutique version of something. Right. So mm -hmm. I really on my own journey grappled towards like, do I, you know, is my business Heather Briggs or is it, you know, right now I go as Radiate Real. And mm -hmm. five years ago, before I sort of did my last rebrand, I was Briggs Strategy. And that moment in the time of my evolution of my business, so sort of went out freelance. My first business was called Buddha Branding, and it was like basically like a little agency. You couldn't find a picture of me on that website, but it had a lot of val <laughs> it had a lot of the values that I've now reignited in, in Radiate Real. Um, but at the time, like I felt kind of insecure about it. I felt like it was too soft and wishy-washy for that time and people were kind of like buddha branding oh you brand buddhas like i got i was getting a lot of like oh i don't know not the best feedback so okay. what i ended up doing was really alienating all of that which was i think a mistake i kind of moved to toronto from vancouver i built break strategy thinking okay i'm gonna play the like I guess at that time, it was like 10 years ago or whatever, I was just like, I'm going to Toronto, I am going to play the corporate game, I'm going to like build this more like agency looking thing, I'm going to probably grow it. Um, and I think that was the worst time in my business it was actually the mm -hmm. few years I was running Briggs strategy. And I felt really inauthentic. And I felt like I didn't want to market or grow that business it just wasn't that exciting to me. And I thought, isn't that the like, like, it, don't you have to love your business to want to grow it? Like, <laughs> you know, like, why, why would I stay an entrepreneur if I don't like the business I'm in? And I think I work with a lot of these people now. And I think it's a common thing. We build the business we think people want, or we build the business we think, you know, is going to make us the most money. Uh, there's lots of reasons why we don't build the business that we really want to. And I think that was a hard uh, authenticity wake up call for me that I just kind of was like, I, why would I grow something that I just don't feel aligned with, you know? So 
Right, right. Yeah. The Radiate Real was sort of like the rebirth. And it was really going back, I think, to some of those foundational values I had at Buddha Branding and about authenticity and real. But this time I had the story to kind of share that I had gone off path and found my way back. And I love growing Radiate Real. Like, I, I like there's such a foundation to it now that I'm like, yeah, it makes me want to show up in my business. For sure. And, and like you said, it, it is a journey. So it takes you to trying something. And then now what you're doing now, you're even more aligned with and you're more passionate on, right? Um, yeah, yeah we've got a, a comment here as well. Build your business for you. That's, that's super important. And it's tough early on, not everyone realizes that because they think that they're out there competing with every other type of um, entrepreneur or creative out there. And they also don't know exactly what the market wants so you try to build it towards that instead right yeah, um yeah. i just wanted to let everyone know that if you have a question there is a question box on the bottom a little question mark you can obviously comment in the chat or you can submit a question there for heather um so we will answer that anything to do with her entrepreneurial journey or authentic branding or marketing um feel free to add that in so uh the next thing i want to talk about heather is um obviously you know, we've collaborated a lot through Now Creative Group, and we have done all these in-person strategy sessions. We've had, you know, facilitating them. Sometimes we've co-facilitated. And um, I think we all know that a lot of um, great insights come out of those sessions, and it really helps to dictate the course of the project. So, and sometimes it can be eye-opening to the entrepreneurs themselves, where they, they realize things about their business as a whole, not just on the brand side. So now that we can't, or at least temporarily can't do these sessions, um, I wanted to know, you know, how has this impacted any clients you've been working with so far? And how do you see this type of session change moving forward? I know, it's, I know you don't have to have the answer, but I would love to discuss Yeah, that. yeah. No, because I mean, some of my clients right now, too, who have very traditionally, like, in-person businesses, you know, I work with. Again, like I said, these one women businesses, hairdressers, lash technicians, uh, personal trainers, naturopaths, mm -hmm. right? All of their businesses were based on seeing people in real life and there was no right. culture around an option. So I'd say, you know, I haven't facilitated like a boardroom session like we do with some of the bigger clients where you've got multiple stakeholders in a session, but certainly one-on-one right. -on -one strategy can be done virtually and I've, I had already pivoted towards that and my business is set up to facilitate that right as a as an online coach yeah. um, so to a certain extent you know some of the work for me has been able to keep going um, but those I, I think with in person my feeling moving forward is that we're gonna have to start making it optional and that we're gonna see that the the blocks to it being an option for businesses is going to have to start to shift and they're going to have to just give people you know even my naturopath client was like i really love seeing people in person am i ever like do i have to do online and i'm like i think you're going to have to offer that client the option because in this world you know there's a lot of just because you like in person doesn't mean your client does and vice versa right yeah. so we all have our preferences i've always been really comfortable doing online facilitation but then the clients haven't always been so i think there's just some learning and you know a, a phase where we're gonna have to work out that for sure and i i will add that i think 
like, yeah, it's a good point. You know, everyone feels comfortable in, in different settings, but um, I think what really is something we have to figure out is how people can transition their focus. And when we're doing this brand strategy session or these, these, you know, deep dives into their brand, sometimes having them physically like stop the rest of the work they're doing, stop their commute and just come in and focus exclusively is, yeah. is the value, right? Because, yeah, being at home sometimes is difficult. We had a call with a client recently where, you know, we, of course, they have their kids in the background. Yeah. The partners themselves are not together in the room. Yeah. Um, and I, I know, at least I find it harder to connect that way. Right? No, you're really, that's really true, actually. There's more distractions sometimes for us at home. And um, yeah, so I think that that is something like, how do you actually get the same level of engagement when you're not guaranteed that the person's shutting up the rest of the world to do this strategy session. And you're right, there is a real value to people like coming into a room and their cell phones are off and we're diving in. And I think also because the way I like to do brand strategy is like deep dive. So, you know, we do like our two or three hour sessions with our new clients to, yep. to just like really on load, like what's happening in the business and who are they and where do they want to go. And I think that this idea of Zoom fatigue is real. Like, you know, like it's, I think it's more exhausting to do a two or three hour deep dive on Zoom than it is in person. Cause in person, there's a certain like human energy that takes over and you're not always guaranteed that, you know, at home staring at your screen. Totally. And you and I both during those sessions, especially when they're that long, we get up, we walk around, we go to the whiteboard, we get a snack, we get a drink. Like we even ask our clients, like we'll check in with them and ask them if they need a break to transition yeah. where, you know, it, it's a good point. Um, I'm sure, you know, as a facilitator, you know, we'll figure out ways to get better at the online version. Um, yeah. But even the, even the ones that we've been booking have been, like the initial onboarding sessions, not necessarily strategy sessions, have been an hour at the most, right? We're trying not to book like 90 minute or two hour, which is which is the norm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully people will be able to adjust to it moving forward. And and, and I, do, I do hope we can eventually offer in person again at some yeah. point. Um, yeah, for sure. And then maybe, maybe it's somewhere where, you know, people get activities beforehand that they have to kind of do on their own and then bring to the session, right? Because that requires them to spend less time on on zoom and and uh kaifer did comment here about zoom fatigue being a real thing um it's it's true it's i've had it i think my maximum is probably three or four meetings or facetimes or zooms or whatever it is in a day because it gets me it gets me totally drained after as well so yeah it, I, it, I saw an interesting article about how like just turning off your own self-view like it can really help there's like a psychology that we're not used to with seeing ourselves when we're talking like mm -hmm. we we don't see it we don't see ourselves when i'm running a board meeting i'm not like looking at myself critically and you know and i think that there's some of that going on in our you know psychology that's we're not even really used to so i think it's a bit exhausting so turn right. off your camera view <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> I've tried um, it a few times and it does help because you're just not as, you know, prone to like your eye kind of going down the corner or whatever. Right. And obviously your, your camera is still on for the people that are there. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they can see you, you can't see them. 
And speaking of that, sorry, I don't, I don't know why our camera flipped around for a second there, but um, I'm back. Okay. So, right. yeah. So the next thing uh, that we want to cover is how can entrepreneurs and small businesses stay connected with their customers during this time? Um, and I know that, you know, a ton of people, you talked about some of the clients you worked with who are pivoting to being more available online and doing these sessions online. But when it comes to actually marketing to them and reaching customers or potential customers, how can we do that without coming across as inauthentic or salesy? And I know there's been discussion about email marketing and, and yeah, frequency yeah. of that. Um, we'll, we'll love to know your thoughts. I'm kind of feeling like, you know, in the conversations I've been having with myself and my clients, it's like, you're kind of where you were before this stuff all happened. So I think there's this like false sense or like a bit of a panic hustle behind some people thinking they have to like change everything and figure everything out tonight and hustle, hustle, hustle. And, <laughs> and like, where were you in at the end of February? Cause that's actually still where your business is. So if you were having marketing problems back in February that were about, you know, setting up your foundation you still have to go do foundation work right now and you should take the time this little like you know bubble to perhaps you know work on your foundation then i think there's the businesses that were ready to go you already had an online business or an e-commerce store and i'm seeing some of those people like completely take off like they're exceeding sales like nobody like they didn't even imagine they could because the foundation right. was there and so they should be certainly you know uh marketing and keeping that momentum going and then i there's like a third category i'm kind of hearing which are the people that don't know if they want to go back to the thing mm. they were even doing before you know so yep. again that's yep. kind of like a so I don't have any like strong rules about marketing. I think it's just what's the intention behind the marketing? Do you actually have something to offer? And, you know, is it relevant and valuable to people? I think people are buying. There's certainly people buying. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just about like really knowing why you're doing it and not forcing yourself to do it because you think everybody else is doing it when right. really you're busy might not be at that stage where again when we talk about marketing and branding you might be in a phase where this is the time where you should go ask yourself the deep questions about who you are and the business you want to create and focus on that instead you know absolutely yeah exactly and one of the comments here says that securing our foundation um, is great advice because it's true that's that's literally the perfect time to do that when you have to reevaluate and maybe you don't need to totally change your business maybe you just have to change the physical way you operate it but you're not re-evaluating your entire offering as a whole just because yeah. everyone else is right um, I'm going to jump to this question here from Kiefer so he asks in terms of personal brand how do you rebrand without upsetting your existing audience it's a very good question <laughs> That is a good question. I mean, I'm going to be super real. Do you like your existing audience? Because a lot of people want to pivot because they don't like who they're serving. So first question mm. is like, do you really care? Do you like want to keep serving that group? I can talk to my own experience. Like, uh, you know, I realized if I wanted to keep working with the small business owners, I needed a uh, an offering that was priced for them and where they're at, right? So I built an online course to, and started coaching to be able to facilitate some of the work at a lower price point. That was to kind of keep that customer 
like, cause I still loved working with them, but I didn't have the same one-on-one -on -one capacity to give them, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to start putting some of that energy towards the organizations, the nonprofits, uh, the ones that had a budget, you know, to be doing the work. So I think the first question is like, do you want to, is it a magic, is it a, is it a matter of like completely changing your business? Or again, you know, when we talk about target market, sometimes we're just, it's the same type of customer, but they're at a different stage in their journey. So sometimes it's just inviting them along to the next stage of, you know, what you can offer them. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Mr. Yeah. So he actually, he actually mentioned um, <laughs> that he wants to do more. So he's, he's serviced the foodie world, but wants to reach out to bigger audience. Um, and just, if you look at his username, Mr. Social Eats, um, it's a great account. It's heavily food focused. Um, okay. But I think, yeah, part of that question is about how do we, you know, how do you rebrand or update your branding without kind of abandoning or, or upsetting your existing audience, right? But I loved, I loved your first point, Heather, which is, is that even the audience that you want to serve? Sometimes people become a slave to this audience that they've built, right? Or this identity that they've put out for so long when really they've mentally, they've pivoted or they've, they're already in a different space as well so yeah. sometimes it's a good business decision sometimes it's more for your own you know your own sanity right <laughs> and this is this is one of those like evolution questions like you might start with one market and it might evolve and like that's okay you know like sometimes you do have to leave behind a target market because you know you were testing out an offer and through launching and maybe having a couple clients you realize oh this isn't quite who i want to work with so um, I think part of it's like permission to change, you know, like don't be stuck in thinking you can't change just because you have an audience who is used to you in a certain way. Um, and then make sure you're, you know, you're really clear on why you're doing that and what the difference is and the, the messaging. Because I think branding to me is always the intersection of how well you know yourself and how well you know your business and when those overlap, right? So knowing your customer is like almost equally as important as knowing yourself in terms of business and branding and marketing. You, you've got yes. to have the same clarity around those two pieces to find the brand piece in the middle where they really intersect. Okay, um, Mafuz, thank you for letting us know about the Instagram Live. We did have a weird issue last week where some people couldn't join on their phone, um, but Thank you for joining on, on desktop as well. If you have any questions, we'd be more than happy to answer them. Uh, I know Mafuz, you do a ton in the, in the marketing space already. Um, so we have one other question that I'm going to pull up on the screen right now, um, which is what other, or what brands do you admire and why? Um, I don't know, maybe you, you could say Lululemon since you started off there, but. <laughs> no, like, no, because you know what? I left Lululemon because again, they kind of went from being grassroots and they had a certain core value and then they wanted to take over the world. And I was like, again, like, it's not against the companies that want to grow that way, but that does not resonate with my values. And I had to come to terms with that, that like, I think you can be small and profitable. I think that you can make a deep impact without being a global brand. So I think those are some of the things we need to like remember. Uh, and so I think probably some of my favorite brands are like, 
Honestly, I think of the bakery in my neighborhood in Leslieville that remembers my name and, you know, gives just, you know, throws in a free cookie every now and then. And like, I love them. Like they just, I feel like they're not like a big brand, but they've got so much heart and soul in there and they love their customers. And, you know, so Sweet Bliss in Leslieville just is such a good job of like a little teeny tiny shop. They're only open like three days a week again, like they're going against what you think you have to do to be a profitable business. They just have a huge following and people love their food because they make really great food. So that would be like a boutique example, you know? Um, I'm trying to look at brands do I love, like that's such a good question, but I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> great, awesome, uh, I love that. So. Um, we also have uh, a question here that says, what process do you recommend to do um, the soul searching that you talked about earlier? So is there a process for that soul searching? There sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I designed a tool called the Brand Soul Canvas. And nice. uh, if you go to my website, radiatereal.com, you can download a copy of it. But it basically is my, after many years of reading like all the books on branding from all the big agency guys, and then my own deep study into human energy and the chakra system. And I sort of paired the two up and I came up with this framework that I think really guides people through the deeper aspects of their brand um, and, and who they are and then i you know over time have just gone to this place where i put one word in each category this takes time to get it to like such a high level but yeah. i have like you know eight or nine words that i feel like define my brand and so when i go to create content i keep this up above my desk it reminds me who i am and what i stand for you know and and so i think tools like this I mean, I created this, so I think it's great, but I really like a framework. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm a framework girl. So I think like, find your framework, do the process, you know, ask yourself the deep questions. I also have a blog post that walks you through some of the questions I ask, and I have an online course that takes you through this process. So um, if anybody's interested, you can reach out to learn more. But yeah, I, I think that you got to ask yourself, I can tell you what these are. You got to know your purpose. You got to know why you do what you do. You and you're allowed to change that and evolve that. You got to have a strong vision and know where you're going and you're allowed to change that and evolve that. <laughs> you know, you have to know your core core message. What am I showing up in my business to tell people? What what is like the one thing I want people whether they buy from me or not? Like what do I want them to remember or leave impacted with? Um, who are your people? So we've talked about that today. Who's your niche? One of my favorite things with this is like really going beyond the target market analysis and like, can you figure out who they are as people and, and right. how they operate in this world? Um, do you know your value proposition? Can you explain what you sell, why it matters, how it works, what value it leaves for people after? And, um, and then really the last one is like your promise and your mission. So like, how do you then take all of that and kind of bring it into an action plan or something you're going to, you're going to take out in action into this world. Oh, identity, identity. I skipped identity. You also have to know like, you know, your, your mood, your vibe, your like colors, the like things that really like identify you. 
Totally. I love that. Yeah, a lot of people are, are definitely um, interested in that process. So we will maybe send a link out as well. Um, amazing. So uh, I think we are going to get to this question uh, that Rosa is asking. Um, but are there any books or podcasts or other resources that inspired you that you would recommend? Yes. Um, on the branding marketing strategy side uh, is The Brand Gap and Zag by Marty. Do you know his last name? <laughs> I'll look it up. Neuroheimer or something. I don't know. I'm definitely butchering his last name. But he's like a big agency guy. And he wrote this book uh, on positioning called Zag. And that yeah. was the one that just, you know, going from a graphic designer and then reading that book and being like, these are the conversations I want to be having with people, not so much the color palette and your logo, but like, what is the vision? What's the purpose? Where are we going? How are we getting there? Who are we trying to find? You know, like, I love that stuff. Um, and, and yes, somebody wrote the proper yes. name. And then kind of on the spiritual soul searching side, um, there's a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Caroline Mice. And it's, you know, it's for those of you who identify as being a little bit more spiritual or open to doing that sort of inner work. It really takes all kind of big religions and and like breaks them down into the human chakra and these basically like life lessons that we all are learning and going through and so i think that if you're going to build a business you're going on a journey into your soul um and so that also understanding the personal development side of it all is really i, I like the intersection of those two the strategy and the personal development and the soul searching and i think mm -hmm. that if you commit to those you're going to arrive. You're always going to arrive somewhere that's like meaningful and feels on purpose. For sure. Uh, yeah, I love that because we, we have to say it that, you know, if you are an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, your business does need to align in some way with your own personal uh, objectives and brand and goals, because otherwise it's going to be difficult to, to maintain it in the long run. Right. Yeah. And we do see a lot of entrepreneurs that just, they have, there's an idea that makes sense from a business perspective. They want to quickly jump on and capitalize on it. Um, but they can't, they can't answer those, answer those questions about why it's a good fit for them and why it aligns yeah, for them. Yeah. And then in the I'm long also, run, yeah, yeah, no, it's they're, so they're going to lose interest, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, and I, I think somebody said something about a podcast. Okay, this isn't, yes. this isn't super businessy, but I love this podcast called You Made It Weird by Pete Holmes. He's a comedian and he ha does like two hour in-depth kind of conversations about life and love and business with other comedians mostly. But I realized through years of listening to him that like the path of being a comedian is very much like being an entrepreneur. It's much of the same things we go through, insecurities around showing up, being seen, um, you know, following a very untraditional path when everyone else is kind of going and getting jobs, taking that more entrepreneurial creative path. So um, I really find those refreshing to listen to and yeah always kind of at the end i'm like yeah I, i'm glad that i'm on this kind of untraditional trajectory <laughs> there you go yeah you, you kind of find that um yeah it, it kind of justifies your own path right and what you're yes, doing so yes. yeah yeah 
Uh, amazing. So um, we we both spent a lot of time at events together, whether that be um, you know those retreats or the confab experience or workshops and things like that. Um, what would you say is the biggest benefit of participating in these group settings with other entrepreneurs? I know it's hard now to do in person, but even online communities, um, I'd love to know like why you know why you value that so much and and why is it so important? I love that you asked me this because I feel like for a couple of years I stopped networking when I was going through that sort of like uh, like transitioning from break strategy to radiate real and I sort of didn't feel like being super out there I was a little bit in that creative cocoon stage and really in the last like really starting this year I was like wanted to bring myself back I mean I've maintained some community events but I think about how important they are for building your network and I think about how uh you know, still, if I look statistically at where my sales come from, it's still going to be either people I knew, people that knew people that I knew, like referrals, or yep. people that I've met in real life. You know, I still think that the transition from um, real life to online with strangers is like, I think that's going to be definitely a challenge like I've been like how can I be networking in this like online world right now because my go-to for networking would be live events right so yeah. how are we gonna find like the same sort of thing in a zoom sort of setting or whatever so I I'm excited to kind of see what people bring out but ultimately I was just talking to somebody about how the best referral partners I have, including you and my friend Sandra, and like I met all those people at paid events, like not super free or cheap, like there was some price tag to them. And I was just yeah. reflecting on that, how important that is, like that the people who became partners I met at events where there was like, you had some skin in the game because you bought a ticket or you paid more than you've ever paid for a math, an online mastermind or whatever. Those are the ones that, you know, I have felt I've made the deepest connections and then also met somebody who's probably at the similar stage of business and, you know, yeah. has been the right people to refer to you. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. And also those events where the facilitator or the, or the host is mindfully, you know, bringing in people that, um, are at different stages where, you know, some of those amazing events where you meet someone who's like two or three levels ahead of you, um, you normally wouldn't really have access to them, right? You normally wouldn't be in the same room. Yeah. And, yeah. and that can that can be a huge uh, opportunity for your business if you are the right connection for them too. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, um, do you think that people will kind of look for more of these online gatherings? Yeah. I know it's less less organic but I know I know I am and I've seen some examples of places like some of the co-working spaces going virtual memberships and I'm thinking of trying some of that stuff out um in the future if we don't end up going back to like you know in-person stuff I think joining an online community uh, is something I'm going to invest in definitely in the next you know few months and I'm going to also yep. invite some people in to do some work with me in a, a community-based way um, online. And so, yeah, I think it's important. And I think people should, I remember one of my very first kind of marketing teachers was like, make sure you have like a number that you 
put aside for networking events. And again, he was trying to get us to like, not just go always, just don't think networking's free. Networking is like right. a, a marketing cost and treat it that way. Like, you know, sure you can go to good free events every once in a while, but also like, you know, give yourself a hundred dollar budget a month to put towards in the next couple of months, trying out some paid online stuff, you know? So I yeah. think that there's, there's a time and place for both, but. Totally makes sense. And and there's some more unique experiences too that people are coming up with. Um, and and I'm going to be going to my first uh, or doing a keynote at my very first online conference, which is called the Biz Mixer. And there's a few okay. people that joined the chat that are part of that. Um, so the Biz Mixer is happening on May 30th and it's, it's actually a conference. So there'll be, you know, I'll do an opening keynote and then there's a number of other speakers. There's also entertainers, there's a live DJ, there's going to be breakout rooms. Um, Cause in zoom, there's a technology to have those breakout sessions. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, you know, we also have two major conferences that now creative group is, is partnered on and promoting that are supposed to be happening. And so we're waiting to see what those will look like, right? We haven't we haven't done an online version yet. We're going to see when those can be done in person. Yeah. Um, but but for sure, there's that there's that value of connecting, and um, at least now people will they'll have to work towards making those connections. And uh, the benefit is that you you're online, so you can immediately add them. You don't have to f go online and figure out how to find. Yeah, them yeah. Through, right? Yep. You're right there. So anyways, um, I wanted to know, are there any other projects that you wanted to bring up from a branding or strategy perspective that you found was a great example of authenticity and alignment where either for you or, or for the client where it was like, you know, a big shift or a big change? I feel like there's probably a few examples. And I was thinking about this when I saw that question, like, what I really wanted to talk about here is how more often it's what you take away than what you add that means the most when it comes to alignment and authenticity. So, okay. right? Like sometimes, like when I think of some of the biggest transformations I've seen, it's people who, again, like me and my example and my own story, were playing a role or an identity or in a an entrepreneur kind of identity in a way that wasn't really authentic to us and therefore probably diluting a lot trying to just get a bit of um what's the word like uh yeah trying to kind of you've got your feelers out a million different ways trying to like right. see if there's any well like oh am i getting any feedback over here am i getting feedback over here and so i think we do that we can kind of dilute our energy and our focus when we don't really know what we're doing or we're not super confident in our business, kind of like reaching out. And I think alignment and authenticity is really about coming in, you know, and like that is the brand soul canvas. Um, it's the idea of like all alignment and authenticity comes from that connection to your core. And so if you don't have that, if you just think about that in terms of yoga or any sort mm -hmm. of body work, right? Like, the alignment piece is when things are in balance and you can feel that sense of flow. And so I think one of my favorite like examples is, is one of my first clients when I made that transition and I actually showed up into my, you know, sales call or whatever with her, just like speaking more about what I really wanted to do versus all the traditional marketing stuff that I thought they wanted. And 
Um, and then watching the journey of the unfolding, because I think that's the other piece with alignment authenticity work. It's a longer journey. It's more sustainable. Right. That's why I believe in it. If you're if you're testing out being an entrepreneur and you're like not even 100% sure you're in, you might do some things and then just give up and walk away. I think for the people who are really like, I feel called to be an entrepreneur. I feel called to not work a corporate job. I feel like I'm untraditional and a little different than the status quo. I think for those people, it's most important to, um, yeah, like find that, find that thing and then let the other stuff go. And the letting the other stuff go is the work. Like, right. I don't know if it makes sense to people, but it's like, if I'm showing up as somebody I don't want to, there's this like, you know, in my coaching kind of work, it's like, there's this idea that like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So we need to be real with ourselves. Like, if you're being a little fake and inauthentic in how you're running your business, that's showing up probably in your relationships in your life as well. So I see some clients that make major transitions in our work and like five years later, they left the person they were with. They might have a different business. They might've done something like really like big as part of that coming back to themselves and building the business they wanted. They might've had to like really let go of something big, whether that be a mindset or a type of client or an offering that's not who they really are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. That was my sort of way of answering that versus getting super specific because I, totally. I think all the creative stuff comes on top of that and it's super fun too. We've done some great work with rebranding organizations that again, were kind of just lost and diluted. And then through our process, right, we're able to first get them clear with themselves. Then when you start feeding in the creative ideas, they're like, yeah, that's like makes sense because that's the embodiment of this or that. And not only that, but they get they now find they have something concrete they can share with other people because sometimes they knew that what was working and they knew how to describe what they were doing to themselves, but they didn't have a way to properly officially package that right i think yeah. that's where some of those sessions can be super valuable for existing organizations or brands as well um and i've seen and that too in, like, in the, the nonprofit yeah. space that happens a lot right because they yeah. know why they're there they're mission driven they're focused they're there every day but the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have that same connection so sometimes through this process we can really align them with that right yeah definitely definitely Cool. Um, okay, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna wrap up soon. Obviously, you did give us some some recommendations for podcasts and and blogs and stuff like that. Um, talk to us about your own Facebook group if you wanted to share kind of what you do in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm Facebook group on uh, yeah on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually just kind of re got it going as this. So this is actually an example of something that I kind of let go because I was more focused on marketing in different ways. I'd build a Facebook group and a community and sort of brought a bunch of people in there and then, you know, sort of shifted my focus a bit and hadn't been putting much energy into it. So I just started doing uh, something that I do called Tarot Tuesdays um, on Tuesdays where I pull three tarot cards and people go in and they pick a card and then they get a little clarity message. and. You know, again, it is kind of my way of doing a bit of my like kind of soul piece of my work and pairing it with business. But to me, it's all clarity. So like, 
we, you know, so I do believe that sometimes an oracle card, a tarot card, like it's not necessary. It doesn't have, you don't have to believe that the angels are speaking to you. It's just your subconscious sees something in that message and it's like, oh, I was blocked. That's giving me a sense of, you know, again, going back into myself and why I may be blocked. And then, you know, it allows you to shift. So um, that's what we do in my Facebook group for anybody who's looking for some woo-woo business fun. But again, I always try to say I am, I'm not like, I, I bring in the woo, but I'm a very practical, I'm, you know, girl too. And I know my marketing and my business stuff. And so it's really just about trying to like, make that process of knowing yourself and building your business a little lighter and a little fun, more fun, you know? Amazing. Yes. I love that. Uh, which is great, especially during these times as well. So um, that being said, uh, we want to leave it with um, if there's anything that you would like an entrepreneur or creative to take away from today's conversation as we continue through this, you know, rapidly evolving and changing time. Um, what would be something that you'd want to, to leave with an entrepreneur? I feel like in a weird way, like I've been kind of waiting for <laughs> everyone else to see that the way we were doing it was really not working. So this is an invitation, I think, for all of us to uh, go a little deeper, take a pause right now, if that's what you're being called towards, to really like identify what this shift globally is going to mean for you and your business. Um, and like I said in the beginning, allow yourself to be where you're at in the process. You know, if you were, if you're in launch mode, keep going. If you were in a stage where you were going to, in 2020, be kind of like re-evaluating where you're at and all that, just do that work right now. Like, don't feel the pressure from outside to rapidly evolve into something that you're not. I think we're we're on a journey right now and we're sort of, you know, we have to be aware of sort of the feedback out in the world, but I don't think we have to be sort of um, dictated by what's going on. So I think this is a time to go in. I think this is a time to own that it's not going to be business as usual. And that's a good thing finally. And that <laughs> we're going to see a lot of cool creativity and innovation in our world. And that's not to dismiss. There's going to be a lot of horrible you know, heartache and pain and upheaval. But as somebody who, you know, enjoys the creative process and this sort of spiritual human journey we're on, the magic is in the mess. And it's part of what we know in creativity. You know, you have those moments when the creative tensions just, you think you're going to scrap it and throw it out, but some mistake leads you to the, like, the logo that just, like, nails it and i yep. think it's the same in our personal evolution it's those dark nights of the soul and when we are like oh my god i don't even know how i'm gonna get through this we find <laughs> we find the answer somehow it comes to us and we move on and we evolve and so yeah i think for those of us who are feeling the call to evolve with the times this is the time is now <laughs> right there you go. There you uh, go. I love it. Very on brand. Um, <laughs> yes, and I, I love what you said about how the magic is in the mess for sure. And now is definitely a time where you can kind of get scrappy and experiment with things. And as you also kind of said, maybe leave the things that aren't working right now is, is an awesome time to, to do that as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, well, to, and to innovate and like try yes. something, you know, exactly. like you don't have to. 
like again like you don't have to figure it all out but this might be a great time to try something you've been thinking about trying and uh, allow yourself that for sure and, and even yeah even as a company we've been trying different practices different processes we've launched a side project we're able to do all these different things that you know we wouldn't have probably done if the pandemic didn't happen right so yeah. amazing uh we got a great comment here someone shared your guidance and insight throughout the years has been invaluable to their process as an entrepreneur there you go you got a testimonial so this is christy we went to university together so shout out to amazing. christy and she owns an amazing boutique sewing studio in calgary and she's making masks right now and so is daniel so it's amazing yes. to see all these brands coming out right now and doing that work so again that's such a great example of innovation and meeting the needs of what's going on it's uh or, yeah what's going on in the world for sure i love it well thank you so much heather for taking the time out of your long weekend to speak with us today um if anyone is interested in learning more where can they sign up for your your newsletter or yeah. your facebook group yes please uh head to radiatereal.com i'll type it in here in the comments and yes. uh and yeah, there you can download that canvas I was telling you about and um, and get on my newsletter list. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be launching a, like a group program to take people through this process uh, in the first week of June. So if anyone's looking for community to go through a rebirthing and a realignment process with in your business, I'm gonna be hosting something like that, so. Perfect. Stay tuned and you can follow me on my Instagram. Yes, right there. Okay, thank you so much, Heather. I will uh I will talk to you very soon. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thank you. All right, see ya. All right, so that was uh our session for today with Heather Briggs from uh Radiate Real. She's also a strategist with us at Now Creative Group, and we are um excited to be working with her on a number of projects. So if you do have uh if you do want to do a brand strategy session. Um, or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us. We can also connect you directly with Heather and, and make her resources available, such as her course. Um, but yeah, we appreciate everyone who joined us today and please have a great rest of your long weekend. Um, we have some sessions coming up again, June 1st, June 9th, some awesome topics, including someone who works at LinkedIn uh, to talk about marketing there. So thanks for joining us. Have a great long weekend. Bye.